Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Welcome, fellow explorers. Thank you for diving in with us today on Siren Soapbox. We explore beyond comfort zones. Find out how you can explore with us on sirensoapbox.com. We have a link for a free month of Audible, information on upcoming challenges, and how to get our coloring book. You can also join us on Facebook at Getting Real with Siren Soapbox. Find out how you can participate in our movie club. It's coming up soon. Don't wait. And we're exploring beyond yet another comfort zone with a magazine. That's right, Explorers. Explore Magazine hitting your Kindles May 5th. Somewhere between 350 million years ago, the first trees came into existence. Compare that to the 300,000 years humans have been on this earth, and you can see they clearly have an evolutionary head start on us. With over 60,000 known species, we have come to depend on our leafy friends. Look around your room. How many items can you link back to trees? Your food, furniture, fuel, clothing, books, even the home you're in was probably at least in part made by trees. More importantly, according to arborday.org, trees clean our air, contribute to our health, provide oxygen, clean our drinking waters, reduce effects of climate change, provide cooling, save energy, benefit wildlife, reduce crime, increase property value, and are a good investment of public dollars. Trees are immensely important. Development is cutting them down at an alarming rate, and we need more trees. The organization Lecky Lecky knows that. Their model is to generate earned income for citizens of Senegal in West Africa through tree stewardships in urban areas while improving their surroundings and combating climate change. The Sirens were so inspired by this project that we decided to become stewards of our own trees. We challenged ourselves to our longest challenge yet. For the past eight months, we have been taking pictures of our tree's condition, similar to what they do for Lakey Lakey in Africa. Let's dive in and see how the sirens did. But if at any time the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is... Mango! First up on her soapbox is Murph. I love plants, so I thought this challenge was going to be easy peasy. I have nearly... 40 houseplants that I've been keeping alive for years after all. I knew when we started this challenge that I didn't have room for any type of tree in my tiny home and Lucky Lucky suggests planting shade trees or fruit trees, but I think we'll talk more about that later. I also knew that I didn't want a tree in my backyard that would try to compete for sun with a giant oak that I have. It just wouldn't work. The oak's gigantic. I also knew that I didn't want to tree my front yard because all of those gardens are designed for full sun and putting a tree there would ruin that. So my mom was in the process of selling her house. So I knew I didn't want to plant a tree in her yard, but my second mom wasn't going anywhere. And she agreed to let me plant a fruit tree in her yard. She wanted a peach tree. So I did some research and learned that a peach tree will in fact survive the cold Midwest winters that we experience here in Ohio. I found one that's a couple years old and planted it in her backyard. We named her Piper, Piper, the peach tree. 
And in the beginning, I watered her every week and sang to her and told her how beautiful she is. And then winter came and I slacked on the visitation because the idea of tromping through the cold, wet yard to visit her just was not very appealing. Plus I knew she wasn't starving. It was winter. Have I mentioned that I hate winter? My visits resumed in the late winter, early spring, and I found that she had been snacked on, I think, by probably a deer, and my heart sank. I was so sad for her, but as I continued my visits, I found she was sprouting new buds, a sure sign that she's going to make it at least one more season. (laughs) So this challenge ended up being further out of my comfort zone than I anticipated because I found it difficult to visit her often enough. I also learned that Piper should probably have a fellow peach tree to grow with, but I only planted the one. I may plant a friend for her this summer. Who knows? Sara, how did you do with growing a tree? Well, I'm not exactly a green thumb gardener by any stretch of the imagination. I do tend to kill houseplants, and it's a good thing that my outdoor potted plants are only supposed to last for one season. I can usually eke a summer out of some hardy annuals. I do love plants and trees, though, so I was pretty excited about jumping into this project. I started by looking for a baby tree to plant, and I went to our local nursery to get some help. They didn't have any saplings to sell me at that time of the year, but they did have some red maple weeds that they were going to be pulling up and throwing away. They were growing where they have genetically pure red maples that they grow to sell, but according to the owner of the nursery, these little weeds had been created naturally and weren't good enough to grow and sell. So I felt pretty happy that I was rescuing little Woody. I dug him up at the nursery and brought him home. Then Bill and I dug up a corner of our backyard and made a nice new little home for Woody. We planted him and watered the hell out of him as directed, and he promptly died. So I felt a little guilty about killing him, but he was after all gonna be turned into mulch anyway. So I had tried to give him a fighting chance. Of course, now that I've read The Hidden Life of Trees, I wonder just how much suffering happened. Good thing I didn't know then to listen for his screams. Instead, I did it all over again. Only this time I snuck into the nursery without the owner. No one stopped me, but I planted Woody too. Unfortunately, although he did survive for longer, Woody too did not make it through the winter. I hate winter too. those spring buds just never showed up he's literally a dead twig in the ground so now we're into january woody too is naked and afraid in the snow and the arbidae survey shows up in the mail it's like someone reported me for tree abuse but (laughs) for a 25 dollars donation they have sent me 12 seemingly healthy baby trees to plant and a booklet on how to do it my new victims i mean my baby trees arrived just yesterday So I'm hoping that they are a little hardier than the tiny things I dug up so they'll have a better chance in my hands. I did enjoy reading The Hidden Life of Trees. I had never thought about forests and trees working as communities and learning about that and the reasons why some trees reproduce every year and others don't was pretty interesting, along with a ton of other things that I had no idea about. And I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about the Lecky Lecky project. So uh, Jess, were you excited about doing this project? No, not at all. (laughs) I am not good with keeping plants alive. I have killed nearly every unkillable plant there is supposed to be, including cactus and bamboo. Then we got a challenge to keep a tree alive for an extended amount of time, and I was super nervous. I did some reading about the Lucky Lucky Project in Senegal and how they measure their trees and care for them, even in the middle of cities. So I was inspired, but still nervous. I also had the added challenge of moving in the middle of all this. You aren't allowed to bring plants into Hawaii, which is understandable due to invasive plants and bugs. 
So I started my challenge with a cane palm in Ohio. I managed to not kill it in the few months that I had it, mostly because I set an alarm to water it once a week and I kept it at work away from my chewing cat, Gus. He has killed many plants in my house. I then passed it off to a plant lover at my old job and moved across the ocean. Once I was settled here, I headed to Home Depot and bought a lily koi, which is passion fruit. Then TC informed me that it was a vine and not a tree, but I decided to stick with it. For the first few weeks, it didn't seem to be doing much, and I got nervous that I killed yet another plant. But we live in one of the wettest spots in the world, so I left it alone to get some sun and rain, and then after a few weeks, it seemed to shoot up. New leaves and even a new little vine. And now that I'm at my new house, I can't wait to find the perfect spot for it to have a permanent home. And I am proud to say that it went from six inches to 36 inches in the time mm. that I had it. Nice. So, Elsie, do you have a green thumb or the opposite? So I do. I have an opposite of a green thumb, uh, so much so that we'll go on the other side of the color wheel theory and uh, it's a red thumb. It's that's how opposite it is. I am really bad at reading what a tree needs. I know it sounds simple, so sunlight and water, but in what ratios and when, I, I don't know. I've killed every plant that is coming to my home within weeks, so I was very nervous when I picked out my first tree, or my, well, my tree for the challenge. It makes me so sad after reading The Hidden Life of Trees because I had no idea they felt pain, had family groups, helped to supply nutrients to each other. Even trees will provide nutrients to stumps to keep them alive after being cut down. Trees even communicate with each other. And it's going to be a little bit weird now taking my hike by myself for the movie club challenge, knowing that fact. So uh, the only time I've ever succeeded at a plant was a Christmas cactus, and it withered away after a decade. Maybe because I never changed the soil. Who knows? But if it's not barking at me or clawing at my face, indicating that it needs something, I kind of forget it's there, going back to our ADHD episode. I picked a Kentia palm and we named it Clark Kent. I wanted a tree that I could have inside because I knew we'd be moving the following year. And I wanted something tropical because that's my happy place. And I decided, I was delighted to report that Clark Kent has survived the past eight months. It was touch and go in the winter. And <laughs> yeah, he lost a lot of his palms, but in the past couple of weeks, we've had a few spring back up. I think what really helped me keep Clark alive is the fact that I was monitoring him every week at the same time. Without that check-in, it may have just faded into the rest of the background of my house. So because of this challenge, I can see how Leaky Leaky model of being a steward for the trees and monitoring how they're doing can really help with the health and success of the trees in the long run. I have a newfound appreciation for trees now. TC, how do you feel about trees? I love to be in the presence of trees. I've just started running a mile a day. And when I think about which route I want to run, trees are a huge consideration. There's a condo association here on St. Croix called Gentle Winds, one of our favorite running or walking routes. And it has a long palm tree lined driveway leading into the neighborhood. One of the things I love most about this place. When I'm running and I enter a spot that is shaded by trees, I can feel the temperature drop to a comfortable level. I love the shade and I look at the trees as I run past. At my slow pace, I have plenty of time to admire the foliage. We keep our eyes out for real estate we might be interested in. And one of the things I always look for 
is what trees are on the property and around the property. Trees do so much for the earth and for us. And I think we tend to take that for granted. I planted a mango tree in my yard soon after moving into the place I currently live about four years ago. Right now, for the first time ever, there are developing mangoes on that tree and I can't wait to taste them. But for this challenge, I grew a ganip tree from seed from a tasty ganip I picked off of a tree on the side of the long private drive to my house. My tree was happy and healthy for a very long time. He lived in a pot and I kept him near the hose. So every morning I remembered to water him. Putting myself in the shoes of someone who was growing a tree to bring money to the family and shade to the community added a little pressure to keep my tree happy and healthy. Then I moved. He's still in the pot, but because we can't decide where to plant him, He's in the corner of the yard and he doesn't get much attention, not like he's used to. He's struggling a little bit. Dino and I need to commit to a spot and get him in the ground, which is how this challenge is pushing me out of my comfort zone. However, I love having trees all around me, especially the ones that grow fruit. And over the course of the last several months, I've grown especially fond of this one. Elsie, this lucky, lucky challenge was your idea. How did you hear about this organization? I first heard about this project from my mother-in-law because her sister, my aunt-in-law, Katie, is the founder. I first met Katie over 20 years ago at a Thanksgiving gathering. The Kowalski site is huge, so I was a bit overwhelmed by all the people and feeling lost. I think I was kind of hiding in the corner of the kitchen, and out of the blue, this beautiful woman with a warm smile is talking to me like we're already friends. We were talking all about high school because she was a fellow cougar, too. Katie is one of the kindest and most generous people I know. She's traveled so much of the world and made positive differences in ways that I can only ever dream of. So it is no surprise to me that Katie took on such an ambitious goal to cover urban West Africa in trees. Katie Kada, the founder of Lucky Lucky, understands the important role trees play in the world, in communities, and for the individual. Lucky Lucky is a company that helps people generate earned income through tree stewardship in urban areas of West Africa. Katie founded Lucky Lucky to make homes and cities in Senegal cooler and greener, spread the word about how trees assist with climate change, and work toward a more circular and inclusive global economy. Katie spends her days working toward her green goals with the company she founded and her evenings and weekends with her favorite people. Katie is joining us tonight, and after all we've heard about her from LC, we are excited to get to meet her. Please help me welcome Katie Kada to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Welcome, Katie. Welcome. Such an honor and privilege. Thank you, ladies. Um, Lauren, you are too kind. Thank you for those very nice words. So yes, I'm very excited to be here, but I will start by saying I'm kind of shocked I think of you women as biology people, like life lovers. And I was really surprised to hear about all the black thumbs. So that's good. Like, get it out there. You know, nobody is alone. I like the solidarity. Um, I, too, am not necessarily a green thumb. But um, like UTC, I think I've had a love affair with trees since, uh, you know, for a very long time, in part, maybe because we grew up in a piece of land that had beech trees that were several hundred years old. And I'm still not sure if this is lore 
or if this is real, but some of these carvings on these tree look pretty legit, like indigenous people carvings from before there were pioneers. Um, now all of those beech trees have aged out and um, a lot of them are dying, but um, that was probably the beginning of why I feel this kinship with trees, but I'm not alone. I think we'd all be really hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't like trees. Um, and if we did, I'd be really curious to hear why a person doesn't like trees. But um, <laughs> yes, so yes, I founded Lucky Lucky. I wish um, there's there's a part of me that wishes it were my full-time job. It's not my full-time job yet. Um, and an important thing to uh, that I want to talk about is the nature of the project where it stands right now. Um, it's, it's still very much in pilot phase. And that's really on purpose because you learn so much from doing some things you just have to do because as you all just discovered with your own tree experiments, all kinds of stuff comes up that you weren't expecting. And it's only by doing that you can iterate and like figure out and tweak as you go. So we did a lot of that in our first uh, year and a half. We're a year and a half into this. So I'm curious, you mentioned tweaking and finding some bumps along the road. I'm curious how many trees have been planted through Lucky Lucky? Mm -hmm. Yep, we started with 300 trees and we're down to, this sounds terrible, down to like it's a goal, but uh, we're down to about 157. Now I know that people would say, oh my gosh, a huge failure rate but we don't really see it that way. Um, this was a pilot, it's called a pilot for a reason because you're, you're experimenting. And so uh, about 250 of the trees um, were, were given to us from the government of Senegal. They have Ose Forêt, which means water and tree department. And that's sort of their goal in Senegal is to keep the natural resources conserved and um, cared for. There was more demand than we could meet with our free tree supply. So we chipped in some money and we went and we bought trees from a nursery that happened to be a little bit older and it turned out a little bit hardier. So when you run a pilot and some people are sending back pictures of dried out <laughs> twigs in the ground, um, you look at your record and you say, yep, that was one of the trees that we got from Ose Forêt. They were just probably way too young. It's not that the person didn't water it or ignored it. Um, that was one of the things that the data showed in those early iterations. Hmm. I wonder if that's what happened to Siren Sara. Maybe your twigs were too young. I think it was a combination of things. So I mentioned that they considered these uh, little saplings to be weeds and they were literally gonna pull them all up and throw them away. And I actually think that they had put some weed killer down. So I think that's what happened to the first one. Um, and I think they were absolutely just way too young and I had transported them home and I put a little napkin around the roots with some paper towel on there. But um, I just, I just think the roots dried out so quickly because they were so young. And even though I tried to get it in the ground um, quickly, that one survived a little bit longer, but then that, we had a pretty brutal winter. Um, and I just think it was a, a bit of a uh, killer winter, no pun intended. So 
So I have it's still going on. <laughs> right. Yeah. No kidding. I have a maple in my backyard and a mimosa and an oak. And I get those weeds that you're referring to every year. Some seed makes it into the ground and they all want to sprout up. I just mow over them and they die. Like they don't really do anything except one maple seed made it to my garden in the front of the house. And this tree is like, it's about a year old now and it's doing really well. I'm going to dig it up and plant it in a pot somewhere, or move it to a park and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I had just thought it was really interesting. You know, um, when you talk about what a weed is, the definition of a weed, I guess, is just anything that's growing where it's not wanted or, and um, I felt really bad for all these tiny little baby trees, all they were trying to do was grow. And so now I'm feeling really guilty about all those poor things that are trying to grow in my mulch bed that are soon destined for destined for death. When I try and make the front yard look all pretty with nice brand new mulch out there, just yeah. to make the make our house look like it belongs in the neighborhood, you know, all those things have to die. It seems it's I just had this conversation yesterday. Like, who am I to decide what a weed is? Like, we have these things grown in our yard. It's the only thing I can grow. And it makes a berry. And it's an edible berry. And I love it. And our HOA made us cut them down. I'm like, that's not, I don't know. It's not fair. I don't like it. So I don't do any kind of weed control in my yard. Um, I pull them out of the garden, out of the garden. So it takes a long time, but I don't spray my lawn. So I have dandelions everywhere. None of my neighbors care though. There are, there are a few neighbors who take really good care of their yards, but that's something Mark and I have, uh, that we disagree about that. He has somebody come and spray his yard, like often to get rid of weeds. And I just don't do it. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that either. And I don't think that's a thing on St. Croix. Like, I don't think we have a weed company at all. And I'm curious if Jess has weed companies on Hawaii. We don't have weed companies, but we do have a lot of landscaping companies. But I think most of that is because um, there are lots of palm trees and there are lots of specifically coconut palm trees um, that will literally drop coconuts onto your house (laughs) and um, drop the, the palms the fronds that fall off those go on your house too and especially like me I felt really bad about it because I I really want the shade but um we had somebody come in and cut back all the trees because I my new house is very close to a river and if I didn't do that then rats would use them as a little highway to get onto my house and into my house and I don't really feel like waking up to a cat rat battle royale in my living room in the middle of the night so no Agreed. But I mean, I mean, the chemical, like, do you have those chemical companies that come and spray people's lawns? Mm-mm. We don't, we don't really have lawns like that. Yeah, whole... we don't, lawns don't seem like something they really do here either. And I, I kind of love the whole movement that's happening of getting rid of lawns and just letting nature do what nature's supposed to do. Yeah. That whole love affair with like flat green grass and nothing else that's not a thing here, which they I haven't love. Quite, they haven't quite caught on to that concept in the HOA uh, community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yet. I moved from an HOA, so yeah, I remember that. And I would only pull out like 
saplings and trees from my gardens that were right against the house because I don't want a tree growing against my house that's gonna eventually the roots are gonna get into the house and you know then your house falls down. Katie what kind of trees do they plant in Africa and then are you guys worried about weeds choking out those trees and how do you guys take care of it? No we are not worried about those trees choking out any other trees because these are all going in urban environments where there may have been trees and the trees got cleared so somebody could put up a building. This balance between economic growth and nature is something that fascinates me because it is so not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're highly synergistic and there just hasn't been that circle back um, on replacing the trees that are a byproduct of economic growth and putting up, pu putting up buildings. So, and one of the big benefits of doing it in an urban environment um, is there's people around, right? So we're giving them two people to put in their compounds. So um, they're always there. They're not gonna forget about the tree. And so, so many tree planting projects happen like way up in BC, like people pay college kids for the summer to put saplings in the ground great. That's awesome. They'll probably do well, but there's a lot of forest fires and there's more and more every year. And so yet yeah, I, I think that we love trees for their carbon capture ability, but they, they die, they fall down and then they release carbon <laughs> or they get burned down in a forest fire and that releases carbon. So um, one of the reasons why we love urban is because there's somebody there to take care of it and all of the other benefits on top of the oxygen production, which include shade, right? So you don't need fans, you're not burning more, you know, fossil fuels to, you know, blow air on you or power an air conditioner. So the shade is hugely important when you're in a really hot sun and the moisture. So it retains, um, it, well, the moisture in the ground and no soil erosion because those roots keep the ground in place but then the leaves and that whole canopy also provides some shade and that shade and the moist leaves also leave some moisture in the air. So it's not as moist. You don't have as much dust flying around. Um, and then finally the, the nurture, like the food, right? If it's a fruit tree, um, you have that benefit as well. So what kinds of trees, lemons, limes, um, mango trees, and then we also put in neem trees um, and then another type of tree that's a shade tree. And we also put in guava trees. Guava trees, like I kind of like see them as sort of a weed, like they grow really fast, not a ton of carbon capture, not a ton of shade, but people really love the fruit and it, they're super easy to raise. So there's benefits to all the different ones. And so we gave people a choice of six trees um, and they, pick, they could pick up to three. Uh, most people only picked one. Some people picked more than one. And then uh, and they're, they're coming along really nicely. So um, it's a nice kind of a legacy to see what a city looks like before the trees. And then a year and a half later, even though they're still babies, to go through. And like 157 is kind of a lot of trees. And it's a small part of the city. It's just one neighborhood. Um, so it's kind of exciting. We're really excited to see uh, what the final data looks like. And then when we expand it and do the next one and it's not a pilot, people kind of know what their money is going to. Because when you think about a charity, the biggest drawback is you don't know what the people are doing with it. You don't know where it ultimately ends up. But when you have that kind of data to give you confidence, you know that further projects are also going to be 
monitored um, and they deliver such benefits to people, um, it makes it a little bit more excited to, to give. So the folks that requested trees from you guys, you call them stewards, right? Of that, of those trees. Mm -hmm. And they have, there's a compensation program that goes along with that. Can you explain Mm -hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. So it is the equivalent of about $10 every three months, which sounds like it's not much of an incentive if you live in the West, but if you live in a developing country where $10 goes a lot further, that could mean a whole, you know, 10 kilo bag of rice for a family. And so people were really grateful. That was one of the big discoveries. Like we knew that people would like it. Who doesn't like a free $10 a month, but um, just a real like heartfelt, sincere appreciation for this extra bit of cash was really moving. And I, I think that goes a long way when you can see kind of the economic benefit and it makes, it's a bit different from a handout, right? Um, you know, when you give away free rice to a developing country, guess who you're putting out of business? All the rice farmers, right? You can't compete with free. And so microtasking is something that technology has enabled. And there's jobs that can be done all over the world. You just need to figure out the system that can scale where you can pay people to do these little bits of work. And your work is essentially to make this tree not die. Um, You'll get all kinds of benefits from the tree, but then you'll also get this 10 bucks. Now that $10, four times a year, that's only going to last for three years. And once the tree is up and running, we're hoping that just the benefit of the tree being, you know, it's not adult yet in most cases, but that will be enough that, you know, they're not going to keep getting the $10 every three months. What first inspired you to, to start this? So I've spent um, a few years in Senegal. I love it. It's green, it's lush, but only in some parts. In other parts where people are excited to get income from the land that they have, they're doing what any one of us would do. And that's putting up a house and collecting rent because the population is growing so fast. And so you go to these parts of the city, which are just a hugely stark contrast from other parts of the country where it's green and lush and it just feels so like blessed with like verdure, like in greenness and fruits and whatever. And then you go to another part of the city and it's just like awful. It's like dystopic, like it's just dust and dirt and no shade and you're hot. And so it just didn't make sense to me that there weren't more trees in parts of the cities because I mean, they can be incredible. There's so much sun there, right? Not a ton of water, which is a bit of an issue, but that can be addressed by some conservation techniques, right? For instance, when I lived in Africa, my banana tree was right there where I would have my outdoor shower. Banana trees love water, right? And so it just made a ton of sense that where I'm washing, all of that water is going straight to the roots of the banana tree. I collect water in a rain barrel and I'm going to put a second rain barrel in the front of my house this summer to water the front gardens. Does anyone else here collect water, rainwater? (laughs) That's where all of my water comes from because I have a cistern. I don't have running water. So yeah, I collect all the rainwater I can collect. I don't have a rain barrel um, because it would just get very full because I live in (laughs) the wettest spot in the world um but I do actually our our house was already set up to do this uh which I love and our 
um, washing machine actually um, dispenses the, the gray water onto some of the trees. And I would like to look at getting, um, getting the showers to also dispense the gray water um, specifically onto the avocado tree because apparently that will make it produce more avocados and uh, I cool. love avocados. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you use stream to see so that that water is safe for your trees or how do you, are you worried about apparently, the apparently the, um, the plants really like the phosphorus from laundry, laundry detergent. Hmm. Um, I do use stream to see leave-in conditioner, but, uh, currently I don't use their shampoo, but when I run out of the free shampoo I got from my brother-in-law from his job, <laughs> <laughs> because like Katie said, you can't be free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I switched to stream to see just so that when I get, I, I plan to have my, the, the plumbing change so that I can collect all that grain, gray water. So I switched to stream to see just to practice. But it's the best way. I mean, water here, there are parts of the year the water is, there's lots of it. And there are parts of the year where everything turns brown and there's not very much. So the gray water would be nice. I just like to grow so many things in the summertime that having the rain barrel really reduces my water bill. Mm -hmm. That's why I do it. Hey, Katie, what challenges have you guys faced over the past year and a half? Apart from the trees dying, which um, in a way, the only way you can fix that is with your next round of trees. Um, one of the more interesting challenges was the payout. So the way that we got the trees planted was we partnered with a soccer club and the soccer club has been around for you know several generations believe it or not and the really active part of the soccer club are the current players and like their fan base and they were looking for something to do there's a lot of youth in Senegal that have lots of interesting ideas and a lot of energy but not a lot of resources to do stuff with so we partnered with them they had this awesome kind of ceremony like mayor of the town was there the governor of the province was there it was a really big deal they had a, a celebration afterwards this was during covid they all wore masks really faithfully and um it was great but then when it came for the payout i was like oh you you know in my mind i mean you guys have done so much like i, I hate to ask you to like also like every three months handing money out to 300 different tree owners. It, it was fewer than that. It was just 300 trees. That's a lot. Like that's a lot to ask. And so I just sort of, you know, went to somebody that we knew in the family. I'm like, look, I'm sorry to ask you to do this, but can you monitor the spreadsheet? We're going to put it in. Somebody will share the truth. And um, they were really offended. They were really offended. They said uh, to my husband, like, oh, okay. So you'll trust us with the hard part, putting the trees, but you don't trust us with the money. And we were like, no, 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 no. That's not it at all. Not it at all. We just thought, you know, and then here in our Western mind, we're thinking like, who has the time for that? But over there, they actually have lots of time to do stuff and, and would have loved that vote of confidence. And then that sort of pride that comes with being the person who's handing out the money. So, you know, that was kind of a, you know, kind of a faux pas. And we wouldn't have known that without running the project first. 
Um, so we just made it really clear that that was not at all what it was about. Um, we did end up going with, you know, just the one single person because you're handling money and that's all going to have to be audited. But um, it was it was a neat learning experience, just the cultural differences, I think. Very cool. Well, what future goals do you have? Uh, my future goal is just to blanket the entire country in trees. Um, but my partner, AKA my husband, really wants to go more surgically, just neighborhood by neighborhood, um, because it is barely relationship-based, right? Just like, you know, and you trust and you can check in on things. So he would move at a slower pace. The big sticking point here is technology. I mean, we're only talking about 300 trees, but to have them sent to us via WhatsApp and download those photos tree by tree and then move them into a Google Drive and put them in a spreadsheet, ridiculous. Like there's no reason to do that. Essentially what we should be doing is telling the person who's sending us a tree photo to turn on their geotagging, just snap a photo, send it to us. We've got the latitude and longitude within like, I don't know, something crazy like three feet. So we know it's already verified. We don't need anybody to verify it. And then we're not having to like, say, was that a neem tree? Was that a, so that, that is our next step is on the next rev, getting a geomatics expert and some geomatics software that's going to help us to do that. And then like the holy grail would be to have a digital automated payout. So as soon as that geotagged photo comes in with everything like checking the boxes, it automatically pays out. Now, I don't think we're there yet with any side of crypto or anything like that. But even if it was just a credit for their phone company, right? Because you go, you pay cash for a phone credit and then I give you $10, you may just go and buy a phone credit for $10. What if you decided to get your payout in a phone credit, maybe I'll give you $12 instead of 10 because it's auto automated payment and you get a little bit of a bonus on something you were gonna buy anyway. So these are kinds, some of the ideas we have for the next rev to make this just a little bit more automated because once you automate it and build it so it can scale, then you really will end up with a green carpet across Africa or across Senegal at least, which is what we want. So I think mm -hmm. you and your husband probably have the same goals. You just want it to happen now, whole country covered in trees. <laughs> and your mm -hmm. husband probably wants that to happen, you know, as a sort of like building blocks. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. I love those goals and those dreams. And I, I really hope that uh, we get to see that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I mean, you guys seem like Caribbean-ish people. I've never been to the Caribbean. But um, my best analogy, just based on photos, would be um, Dominican Republic versus um, Haiti. And even if from a map, like, Elsie could tell you from a drone, like you look at the differences, difference really is trees and look at the difference in the economies between the two. Interesting. So how can our listeners help become involved to such an important cause? You know, I love that you guys were talking about the manicured lawns. And yes, they are pretty, but they're really not what what's best, right? Mm. And so even like in your own lives, just thinking about, uh, ways to do that. But lecky, lecky, after we get through this pilot, I am excited to turn on the, you know, donate button, just so people can donate and see the difference in the in the canopy 
in some of these cities, which I think is really, really exciting. But um, I don't know, I, I think another thing you could do is just go do your forest bathing, right? I'm sure you guys have, I don't know if it was in The Secret Life of Trees or on um, that Shinrin Yoku, that Japanese term, which just means forest bathing. You just go into a forest and it, it, you can feel it. Like, I don't know what it is, but you can feel it in your bones. It is like just a bath for your soul. There's, there's so many books that talk about that magic that trees exude. It's, you know, that as we were working through this, this challenge, I thought about so many places. Um, like, what's the movie with the blue people? Avatar. Avatar. Or- yeah, Avatar. It's in, like in there, right? The magic of the trees. But also, I'll have to look it up. There's another book that talks a lot about the magic of plants. I, there's so many different books where it's just kind of hidden in there in different places. I think people know that trees are essential and kind of current day magic, but we all just sort of take that for granted. The Lorax? Yeah. What? The Lorax. I said yeah. the Lorax. <laughs> what are the trees that walk in Lord of the Rings? What are those guys called? Ents. Yeah, ants. The ants. It's so interesting, too, how slow they talk. And when I was reading the tree book, they talked about, or maybe it was a video that LC shared with us, how slow the, the sound and the process is for trees. I, don't know. I think it was in the book. He talks about, like, you know, we move so fast, but a tree's life is thousands of years, so they don't have to move as fast as we do. So that's just so fascinating to me. It's a whole nother like the title suggests, it's the hidden life of trees that we are just totally ignorant to. Yeah, we're like fruit flies to the trees. <laughs> That's an hmm. interesting metaphor. <laughs> they were probably as annoying as them too. <laughs> well, our challenge for our listeners this week is to plant a tree and help it grow because we all know that trees are so important for the environment. So what better way to help our planet? And let us know how it's going by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I just love what you're doing for the Senegal area and for our planet. You, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find more information about Lucky Lucky? Yes, absolutely. Go to luckylucky.org, L-E-K-K-I, L-E-K-K-I. Um, and what you'll find there is a website that hasn't changed and probably won't change much until we finished our pilot, but keep your eye on it because, um, hopefully people are going to hear this and then they're going to go do their own lucky luckies, which would be just amazing. Yeah, we kind of did that. Maybe, maybe it's a movement. (laughs) I love that. Well, sirens, we made the world a greener place with this challenge. Thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for sharing your stories and thank you fellow explorers for listening to this episode. Be sure to check out our blog on our website, sirensoapbox.com. That's where you'll find pictures of our trees and find a link to Lucky Lucky's website. We're also on YouTube. Don't forget to check us out there and buy a coloring book for crying out loud and a water <laughs> bottle until next time dive in, stay curious and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias and don't forget to tell your friends about us. 
like, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.